<laughs> Stuff happens. Episode 2, Red Rain. Well, things really turned into pigs. Not flying as pigs you'd hope, but just Yiddish bacon. Wanting to be avoided by people of purity like a imam avoiding a one dollar hot dog from Sea Shepherd Seagull Illegal Gullfighting Arena or Danny Nong or Bob Beatty, you know, avoiding converting. But it came evidence of Stevenson stalking Kate Nesbitt stalker. That that sort of thing on a on a mission to sniper the man's skinny tracksuit clad ass. Uh, minutes before an eastern suburbs tragedy. Well, if people only knew how to convert those Betacam cassettes, right? I mean, the Nocturnal Village CSIRO would be in for one hell of a ride in the Magistrates, County and probably Supreme Courts for at least 20 years. I mean, seriously. I don't know why he doesn't burn the footage of him killing a rent-a-kill by accident in a face-burning comp. Apparently, old Stevie Boy has a copy of him stalking and filming Hitchcock Adams before his disappearance at a cemetery disco stunt. It's gripping stuff. So, after the last period of time, I'd had enough of sleeping in, drifting, getting up at about 3pm to eat bastard pasties and whinge about not killing Fuzzburn yet. The weather was getting better and I realised I needed to shed the fatty loser smell and disappear back into a world of vigilantism and middle-aged tough guy cop antics. For two weeks I binged on Robert DeBiro's Taxi Man, Beer Hunter, Fitching Featuring Christopher Dale Flannery, Kirk Douglas, Blood Rain, locked in my dank cellar, doing the running man, drinking three litre bottles of Diet LA ice, eating kangaroo jerky, doing a thousand push-ups a day, moving as far away from my mind prison as I could, and as is humanly possible. A uh, quick footnote. One day I will actually explain what the mine prison is. In the meantime, you can picture an area of land the size of a football field, but a football field covered in heavy shrub and a green mist and things which resemble little gnomes, but more like a Tasmanian devil. This is then interspersed with apparent portals and psychological doorways, which lead to pathetic milk bars and interviews with people called vacuum. Enough said, I think. So, my two weeks of hardcore training was coming to an end. I developed a pulley system with two buckets on it. I'd ring a bell when the toilet bucket was full and that would go up while another bucket full of jerky would come down the other. Let me just say this was a flawed system. For a bucket full of jerky would come uh, for um, a period of time. I kept on accidentally sending back the jerky and Fuzzburn was confused and kept flushing the dried roux down the dunny, resulting in a blocked crapper upstairs which ended up causing a whole creep heap of havoc in the sump pump. 
A few times, in exhaustion, I reached into the wrong bucket, and instead of tasting some beautiful kangaroo meat, I put up a full poo meat nugget into my compressed and dehydrated skull. This is when I coined the term accidental food recycling. It actually did me some good for a few days until a serious bout of gastro ended up doing a real job on me. For days on end, and it seemed like weeks, I just did a whole pound worth of crap and vomited in each bucket with the bell ringing incessantly. They did pretty well until the rope broke. And then I had to revert to crawling down the narrow passageway where we'd found millipedes and blown it up. Down there I vomited and I did a whole bunch of poo and drank the ancient bottles of Nunawading ales to rehydrate myself. Oh well, I ended up just putting old towels and rags on my path to the poo corners. There was a constant brown trail flowing down my legs and onto the floor. This meant I was sicker for much longer than I should have been. I mean, there was one particular night there where I pretty much almost died. So when what it is, what happened, what appeared to be a vivid spectre hovered over and sat above me, right? So at this point, I knew that the mission was clear. Get out of the basement, get on the streets. But not before getting out and spending two weeks in hospital not to die. So I ascended the stairs and hidden corridors for the next two days. I, I mean, literally, on my last breath, the boys were watching rat races upstairs when suddenly I've come crashing out of the floor. Emaciated, I was naked, and covered in brown sticking plop shits. And they, the boys, I mean, they just looked at me and, wow, they didn't, they didn't recognise it. What's this thing? You know, as I gained, I, I gained consciousness, I growled, off. And an hour later, they realised it was me. Put me under the garden hose, put on a kimono, and dinked me on a BMX to Box Hill Hospital, then came back when I was human. Well, you know, I'd lost a lot of weight, that's for sure. I mean, the doctors reckon about 500 kilos. Not physically, but metaphysically. Like a Tasmanian tiger, after appearing out of the emptiness on altered states, I'd come back a new man, and probably better, but forever changed and ready to fight crime like a diseased untouchable. I left hospital a thin, darkened and more serious character, even more than before, even more than ever. I was focused on kicking down the whole entire town on its dirty ass and raising the crime rates before blowing buggery through their asses. I was wearing steel cap Dunlop, Dunlop K26, which I'd fitted in the steel caps custom made, ready to kick down doors of Japanese wonton noodle houses, stop drug scum from not sharing their stash. I was ready to rock and roll, pretty much, like a degrade video hero, like tracks, like a speed riddled Hitchcock Adams. And all I needed now was an outfit. And I rode into Barmy Disposables and purchased an Oscam Dryzerbone trench coat. 
a Rhodesian War bush hat, and lo and behold, I was ready for action. Next stop, Al Capone's on Station Street. Justice will be served with a gun death and smashed tortellini. Arrivederci, complacent commies. See you in the next chapter. Spin Man's Hunter.